Welcome to the Dad Connection Podcast. Helping dads grow themselves so they can help grow their greatest asset on earth, their children. Now, here's your host of the Dad Connection, Keith Jowers, with advice on how to relate, connect, and build a better relationship with your children. Well, hello, this is Keith Jowers with the Dad Connection, and I appreciate you coming back and joining us for another segment right here on the Dad Connection podcast. Well, today I am sitting in a beautiful, beautiful place. I have mentioned before, uh, back uh, on our first podcast was with Mark Allen Cash at the Storytellers Museum. And then right up the road is a beautiful hideaway farm that used to once belong to the great musical legend, Johnny Cash. And you can go back and listen to that podcast, but this is kind of part two to that. And it's 10 months later that I am sitting here with somebody very special. And I've gotten to know Brian Oxley in a a couple of different ways and some common interests that we have. And one of the places that he is connecting with, which we're going to learn about today, is the Johnny Cash Hideaway Farm. And so I'm going to talk to uh, Brian about that. And then we're going to kind of end up on, well, something else that he and I have in common in writing children's books. And he's done a great series about grandpas and the various things that grandpas do. And we are excited to introduce Mr. Brian Oxley. Brian, welcome to the Dad Connection, sir. Thank you. Glad to be here. So, Brian, tell us, where are we sitting today? Because this is a beautiful place on Earth. Well, this is uh, um, Johnny Cash's uh, former farm. It has an 1837 pre-Civil War log home. And Johnny called this uh, place the center of his universe. Uh, You know, he had a big home in Hendersonville. But Johnny, at the core, was a country boy. And uh, he fell in love with his farm. And he had it for 32 years. And he probably spent more time here than his own home because back in Hendersonville, you know, you could get 100 buses coming by in a day. This is a place where he could be alone or with his kids. And uh, and he called it, um, you know, his most favorite place. And uh, that's why we're here. Now, you might say, how in the world uh, did uh, somebody like me who grew up in Japan hardly knew who Johnny Cash was, how... how how are we sitting here? And I, I believe God kind of preserved this place for us because of Johnny's legacy and his fame. This place is a great launching pad to do a lot of good things, spiritual things, uh, reaching out to people. So if I do a little video from the farmhouse, people are interested in watching. So that's how we're using it. and. And, uh, of course, I've never had a farm in my life, so this is all new and strange. But basically, this is how my wife and I are spending retirement. So we bought this place, restored it, bought the museum, where you you must have talked to Mark Cash. What's unique about the museum is we didn't even know about it until we were in Johnny's library. And we were looking through it, and we found this video from 1976. And there was this special party for Johnny celebrating his 20 years. And we were like, where did this happen? Well, it happened one mile down the road. And that building was 
about to collapse. And I remember crawling through the window. And since I had the video footage, I told family that if I saw that stage that Johnny performed on, along with Maybell Carter, Carl Perkins, I said I would buy this building and restore it. And that's what we did. So that's why initially I thought we just had the farm. Now we have the farm and the and the museum down a mile down the road. And Brian, we have been to the museum on the tour, yeah. and we've come up and we've done a tour here at the Hideaway yeah. Farm the last time we were here and introduced to you guys. And I know it really, I don't think one goes without the other. I mean, it starts there at the Storyteller Museum yes, where does. you can learn so much about Johnny Cash and his music and, and his life. And then we can come a mile up the, up the road to a beautiful drive up here, by the way. And friends, you can walk and, and come on the same grounds that Johnny Cash actually came out. He probably got some inspiration to write some music oh, out here. His library is here intact. His bedroom. I mean, this is the only place that exists that was his special home. And if you read his, his own autobiography, almost a fifth of it is about this farm. Hmm. And, uh, and also, the great thing is uh, he had his first ever TV Christmas show here with Tony Orlando and Roy Clark. And if you go to YouTube, 1976, Johnny Cash's first ever Christmas show was here. And Johnny, with his own words, talks about how much he loves this place. Mm. So everybody in the world can actually see it. But it's amazing to me how few people somehow miss this place. And uh, so that's why I feel God kind of had preserved it because I think he knew the purpose of our heart as to how we would use it. And it's become um, a healing place. I don't mean physical healing. I'm talking there are a lot of cash family members have come here who've had some troubles in their life and their lives are getting changed. And I think there's something this farm must have been prayed over quite a bit, you know. So there's some in Ireland they they call places like that thin space, where heaven and earth is just a little closer. And you, wow. well, part mm -hmm. of that is, of course, anytime you're in nature, you feel closer to your Creator God because that's one of His ways He reveals Himself to us in His creation. So mm -hmm. this place is magnificent. Uh, the actual farm has three of the three of the sides actually are water creeks with artesian wells. So I mean, it's a, it's it's we're very blessed to be here. And in fact, today we have Johnny's the third daughter, Cindy, visiting us. She's in there, and I know in a few minutes she's going to be out here metal detecting because that's what she and Johnny Cash used to do out here. Wow. He's the one that taught mm -hmm. her how to metal detect. So. <laughs> And I told her, whatever you find, if it's valuable, we got to split it now. <laughs> well, uh, if you haven't, uh, haven't ever been up to Bonacqua, Tennessee, and visited the Storyteller Museum and the Hideaway Farm, yeah. uh, you really need to do that. Whether you knew who Johnny Cash was, whether you listened to the music like I did growing up, Brian, my mom played Johnny Cash's music. Yeah. All during my childhood, right? Right. And uh, and she would play other others that he used to sing with, that kind of thing. But we, I knew the songs in my head, and it's kind of got me interested in drumming when I was uh, eleven. After my dad died, at eleven uh -huh. years old, and my mom would still play the music, and I'd be banging on things. So uh -huh. I started got, I started 
playing drums, and I've been playing drums for 50 years now. So, mm, wow. And I love to play those kind of songs simply because of the, um, the, the I don't know, they were just fun to play. Yeah. Well, the thing about Johnny's music that I, having grown up overseas, I didn't really grow up with country music, but I, a lot of his songs, not all of them, but a lot of them are very deep. And I think part of that comes from his own relationship with God and his struggles. Uh, there's a, a, a wonderful missionary lady that had a said, uh, those who suffer most have most to give. And Johnny mm-hmm. Cash suffered in many ways. But if you go into this house, the first thing you see is he had a library built. See, he was a reader. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big part of it is that he was a reader of a history reader. He loved the Bible. You know, I think he was in over 20 Billy Graham crusades where he gave talks. So, you know, he was a fallen man like all of us. Um, people know about his struggle with addiction and so forth. But, uh, you know, so was King David was, a, you know, and yet God caught him, uh, uh, you know, that man after his own heart. So I think he had a tender heart to, towards God. He was a, He was a humble man. And God gave him the gift of writing music. And to this day, you know, people want to know more about Johnny, the singer and the writer, really, mm-hmm. you know. You know, when I listen to his music, I just, not only does it take me back to my childhood days, but I I listen to it. I can still sing some of the same lyrics, you know, yeah. and all these songs years later, but it's just the stories. And you and right. I were talking about this earlier. I like stories. I liked it. And that's why in our first broadcast of the Dad Connection was about the Storytellers Museum and how this farm came about. Mark right. gives that that uh, back history on it. But then when you walk onto this property, there's yeah. just something very peaceful about this yes. farm. And yeah. I, I believe you're really onto something. You do musical events out here too. Yeah, don't we you? do. And uh, but you know what's amazing? A lot of one lady uh, came the other day and she said you're you're going to have to start requiring Kleenexes because uh, first of all we have the museum <laughs> that's where people start. Right. And from day one, I said I told everybody we're not going to do a museum without music. And because I I never particularly liked museums growing up, so that's from day one when we had nobody here, nobody knew about the place. Mark would sing. And then he opens up, and he's very vulnerable, and it tells people stories. And all of a sudden, people start to open up to him, and you find there's this common shared pain that we have in our culture about addiction and family ne- members have been hurt and so forth. So by the time they kept come to this farm, I mean, they're all, you know, and then they kind of relax here at the f- farm, sit in this living room and look at some of his artifacts and then we we tell people just stay here as long as you want and then they you know when we close of course people leave but uh or some people just bring picnic lunches here and sit out here and we're very uh we're not formal there are some museums that they won't let you in the room because some famous man sat in a chair in there but we're not everything is open because that's pretty much how johnny would have done it and we try to keep our culture close to how he would have done things, you know, because it's his place. Um, just because my wife and I bought it doesn't really make it our place. In fact, I kind of, I've told people, I think this is the belongs to America, really. And somehow, as I think about the future, I got to make sure that, that uh, is, you know, 
is passed on in a way that it'll be here for anybody who wants to come here, you know. Well, Brian, I certainly appreciate the opportunity. I know we've uh, had a few months we were trying to line this up, yeah. and I'm here. You had some time today. Um, you also have another place of interest, too, right? Uh, yeah. Hendersonville. Well, uh, you know, Johnny had a home in Hendersonville. That was his main home, and not his favorite home because it was congested with buses and he didn't have much privacy. But across the street, and that, uh, when after Johnny died, it was bought by uh, uh, Mr. Gibbs of the Bee Gees. And uh, he was preparing the house to be a songwriter's paradise. Well, what happened is, um, um, as he was having the house prepared, it caught fire in a, a terrible way. Mm. And so what was left is across the street, his parents had a home called the Mama Cash House. And this is a very significant home. In fact, Marty Stewart calls it the spiritual epicenter of the Cash family because this is where Johnny's mom and dad lived. And Johnny, especially his mom, was a very spiritual person, a woman of prayer. And there was a very good reason why Johnny had the house, has brought his parents to be 58, about 58 feet from him because that's where he would be restored and have restoration with his mother. And uh, th- and what's interesting, at the end of Johnny's life, a lot of people don't know this, but he was in a wheelchair and he could he, he could barely see, maybe 80%, 20, uh, he was, uh, was blind 80%. And uh, his house, his bedroom was in the second floor, no elevator. So he and June actually moved to the Mama Cash house. And he actually recorded several of his voice for several of his American songs at this house. But he and June stayed there, much smaller house. And they talk in some of the books about how they could ha- they have more intimacy, spending time together. Uh, they weren't in the same bed because Johnny was in a medical bed and he needed that. But then June had some heart problems and went to the hospital from that home and then ended up dying. So it was really the last home in which John and June were together. And so it's very historically significant. Uh, the builder of it is the same guy, Braxton Dixon, that built Johnny's home to burn down. And of course, next to Johnny was Roy Orbison's home, also built by Braxton Dixon, and that burned down too, and he lost two boys in the fire. So. You know, there's been a lot of tragedy in the street, but somehow the Mama Cash house is still standing Still standing after all these years. And people still visit there. Every day people come down the road, you know, looking at the ruins of Johnny's home. And when we're around, I I let people come in. Uh, I do it free of charge because, uh, let me, I tell a story. There's two ladies that came once and they had, they were going through some real trouble in their lives uh, one of the ladies had cancer and this is her friend and they said well something good will happen today and so they came into the house and when they told us that and they just started bawling and my wife and I had to get to the farm so I just said look you just stay here all day long just shut the door and we and we left them and so I knew for them they were meant to be there it was going to be a healing day you know so we try, you know, and a lot of Europeans come down the road because they're serious fans. You know, they know where their house is. They know his gravesite is nearby. 
And you don't get the bar hoppers down making that effort, you know. So I bet we've had over 200 people in there, you know, wow. over time. We made some wonderful friends, you know. Well, that's on my list to, to do at some yeah, point. Yeah, you got to come in and the see the Storyteller it. Museum. I've yeah. been to the Hideaway Farm, and I, one day I'll visit with you over there. Well, ladies and gentlemen, friends, this is uh, Keith Jowers with the Dads for Life and the Dad Connection podcast. We have been talking to Mr. Brian Oxley today, who owns the Hideaway Farm and the Storyteller Museum here in Bon Aqua, Tennessee. And I tell you, I am just, I am blessed every time I come up here to visit with these people. They are true, heartfelt people that just want to enjoy life and, and help you enjoy life as well. So they are uh, the uh, current caretakers and owners of the Hideaway Farm. And you're welcome to come up here anytime. If you want a full tour, you can get tickets. Uh, to the Storytellers Museum and the Hideaway Farm there at the Storytellers Museum. We'll be right back on the the Dad Connection. I just uh, messed up there. We'll be right back here on the Dad Connection, and we'll talk, kind of segue into what the grandfather books that we uh, are supporting is all about. Well, welcome back to the Dad Connection. I am Keith Jowers, founder of Dads for Life and the Dad Connection podcast. And I am sitting here at the Hideaway Farm in Bonacqua, Tennessee with my friend Brian Oxley. And we are going to talk now about a children's book series that he has been writing. And we'll give a little backstory on that. And we're going to give you the website where you can get these. These are an awesome set of books uh, to read to your grandkids. So, Brian, tell us about Grandpa and all of his children's books here. Okay. Well, let me just start by uh, sharing this. You know, there are a lot of people who aren't great readers. They're people who see things in pictures. And actually, in the 17th century, they used to have these books called emblem books, basically picture books, because a lot of people, uh, literacy rate was very low. And um, and one of the great uh, uh, writers of the picture book said, why not God to the eyes as well as the ears. In other words, you don't just show God through preaching in the Word, in the Word of God, which is the most important, but also through pictures. Like, I'm an emblem of God. I'm a picture of God. He created me and you, you yourself. So I've always loved pictures and been a very a poor writer. And I realized there was this whole genre of books called emblem books, picture books. And if you really think about it, Jesus told stories in pictures. Yes, he did. Jesus didn't use words like omnipresent, omniscient. Mm -hmm. He talked about the springs and the wells and shepherds and, you know, he, he, he had an Asian mind. And so, and of course, everything started, the early language started with hieroglyphics. You know, you go to a cave, those weren't words. I mean, they're pictures. That's how it all started. Mm -hmm. So I've always loved pictures. So then I, and I'm a storyteller, and I would tell my grandkids the stories that I would come up with. Some good, some not so good. But I, I started realizing they liked my stories. So I'm a grandfather with eight grandchildren, so I decided I would start doing 
writing little stories. And every story would have one principle, one idea. You know, these are for kids. You can't have a hundred ideas. You have to have one idea. And uh, that's how I started. And before you knew it, I had 16 books. These aren't books. These are, you know, children's books. First, they're not long. And then I hired a pretty much a full-time artist to work with me for several years that would paint, that would draw all the beautiful pictures in the book. And so that's, you know, and I could give you an example. Let me see if I, you even have it here. One of the, one of the books uh, I did is called uh, um, the uh, Grandpa the Bookworm. This is actually my favorite book. And, you know, the word bookworm comes from a real situation, old books, you know, two, three hundred, four hundred year old books. Little bugs would have a little, lay a little lava like eggs. But the old books, English books, had this wood bindings covered with leather. And they could smell that wood. And they would drill through the, the book to get to that wood. Okay, so that's how bookworms comes. Very that's how the term got started. Yeah, that's how it got started. So I thought, okay, I'm going to create Grandpa the Bookworm, and all his grandkids are little bookworms, and he gets stuck in an old book. He's flying around, the wind blows him into the book, and the book shuts. And now he wants to get back to his grandchildren. So he starts drilling for the book. But it's a long trip. So he starts reading the Bible where God says, rest. Or when he gets lost and how God, the word just encourages him on this journey back to his grandchildren. And that's how I use that bookworm to teach the Bible. That would be an example uh, of, you know, so it's fun. And then I have, uh, you know, one of the things I, I really do believe is that grandpas have a really important, and grandmothers in their grandchildren and I have a whole story about a grandpa who goes to uh, see the running of the bulls with his grandchildren and somehow the bulls start coming their way and he's got to protect his grandkids so he, he, he has red long johns underneath his clothes so he gets takes off his clothes gets, he's standing there and starts running to divert the bulls from hurting his grandkids. And when the grandpas see this, they all the grandpas across the country join him in this, in Red Long Johns, and they were able to guide these bulls to the arena, and instead of killing the bulls, they, get, they feed him. And the whole story is about grandchildren need strong grandpas to protect them, just like they do strong dads. And then at the end, you know, this gets really crazy. And then the society sees the importance and they actually create a Red Long John Brigade of grandpas. <laughs> and, and so the whole story is, see, this is where they're feeding the bulls. And, uh, and look, the culture has got enough problems that we need family and that we need to extended family. Grandpas and grandmothers have such an important role in their, their kids' do. lives. They do. And that's what this is meant to portray. 
And uh, I actually, I had Tommy Cash, Johnny's youngest brother. I talked to him about, I said, I, I have read Long John's. I said, really? And I actually took pictures of him sitting <laughs> in a chair with them on. So there you have it. You know, you got to have fun. The pictures have to be large and bright and exciting. And that's what I'm, I'm looking here on the table, all your books. And yeah. I, I know you just wrote a new one too, right? Yeah, well, I, I you know... My imagination goes places. So I decided, I know in the next probably 20 years, it's just going to be a lot going on related to the moon because the Chinese are trying to go to the moon. Everybody's trying to go to the moon. They sure are. So, and you're talking about private, you know, shuttles to the moon. So I thought I'm going to start a whole moon series. And the first uh, situation is... uh, my granddaughter goes with her grandfather to the moon for the first ever Olympics on the moon. And of course, that's a real challenge because you don't have gravity. So like if you throw the javelin, you have to have a GPS system. If you're pole vaulting, the net isn't on the bottom, the net's above you so you don't float into space, you know, things like this. (laughs) Anyway, this little granddaughter, she discovers, she's the first to discover water on the moon. And she, she meets this little moon creature that lives, there's a world below, beneath the surface of the moon. And the first discovery of water on the moon is she surprises this little girl that wasn't supposed to be on the surface when humans are around. And she surprised her and she started to cry. And that teardrop was the first discovery of water. So they become friends. And then my next series is is uh, she now is a country music singer and she's going back to the moon as part of, of a contest, singers. But what nobody else knows that she has a friend who takes her below the surface of the moon. And it turns out these moon beings are very nice people and they know what's going on on Earth and their favorite singer happens to be Johnny Cash. Oh my. Yeah. And by the way, the rocket to the moon takes off from the Johnny Cash farm. (laughs) And then uh, since we have the one piece at a time car, they all start chanting this little moonbeams. We want Johnny Cat, the one piece at a time. Right. So she sings the songs. She goes back to the surface of the moon, wins the first ever country uh, uh, moon moon awards. And, uh, and so I'm doing a whole series about the moon and this culture beneath the surface of the moon. Well, Brian, you definitely have a, a good imagination. Uh, you like uh, colorful pictures. I mean, yeah. does, you and I are connected and I even love more. My grandkids, absolutely. Same here. We have uh, our my wife and I. We have three grandchildren. Yeah. We'll be visiting with them in a couple of weeks. So, yeah. um, I'm planning to take our series that we have up there because we'll be babysitting for a couple of days, yeah. and we'll have plenty of time to read what grandpas do. So, <laughs> tell us uh, how can uh, our listeners get some of your books. Uh, Okay, uh, they can go to Ox Vision Books. Ox is Oxley, Ox with a vision, believe it or not. And you go to oxvisionmedia.com. And I actually, I have close, I think I'm approaching 30 books, but 16 are children's books. And and, uh, I have uh, other kinds of books. So one, a, a few books on the great poem 
called The Hound of Heaven, probably the greatest, some people think the greatest poem ever written about a uh, opium addict that's running from God. And, you know, there's just, but but the core of the collection are, are my 16 children's books, mm. so. Well, you can get more information yeah. about all of these books at oxvisionmedia.com and learn more. You also have a Facebook page, right, for yes. the Storytellers Museum? Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Storytellers Museum, uh, Facebook, and I also have a Brian and Sally's Corner. Yes. And uh, my wife and I, we, we put out messages on that that may not fit with the farm, but things that are, are lay heavy on our heart that we want to share with people, so... You never know what we're going to come up with. I try to put one or two things out every day. I pulled up a, a one of your Facebook live feeds a few weeks back, and you had some guests in Mama Cash's home, and you were all just playing guitars. And yeah, a, I love that. You know, uh, something two days ago, uh, uh, Cindy Cash, Johnny's uh, third daughter, was visiting, and uh, we had thirty guests from Norway. And they all had cowboy hats on. <laughs> and she was so kind, and she signed all their hats. The funniest thing, it's never happened to her before, there's a guy that had no hair, and he asked her to sign his bald head. It's on, it's on Facebook, at Brian, <laughs> Brian and Sally's Corner. And uh, everybody had a big laugh, and he was so proud. But something else had happened. Another person put his arms around her, had his wife take a picture, and he said, you know, I guess this is as close as I'll ever get to Johnny Cash. I thought that was kind of special because they left off very happy that day. That's quite uh, quite a story there, Brian. And we, I have just enjoyed sitting here with you today and this beautiful place. And once again, uh, you can learn more about the Storytellers Museum uh, and the Hideaway Farm uh, by visiting uh, their website. You can also, uh, if you're up in uh, Nashville area, it's worth the drive out to Bon Aqua, Tennessee for this tour of both of those facilities. And uh, who knows, maybe you'll run into Brian and Sally just roaming around somewhere. Yeah. I'm, you're also into movie making? You're yes. Also, um, um, and I'm coming out with a uh, new uh, film on the opioid epidemic called All in Black. Hmm. And then I recently, we did a film on Dallas Fraser. Some consider, uh, oh, this is what's fun when guests come. Hello, welcome, welcome. And uh, uh, probably one of the greatest songwriters that's ever lived. He wrote Alvira, There Goes My Everything, My Heart Had Windows, Alley Oop. And, uh, And he's in the Hall of Fame. But at the age of 35, he quit writing for 30 years. Wow. Because... Uh, he had been a, had struggled with alcohol, and he felt God told him he need to walk away from the fame and the fortune, and he became a pastor. And so we did a film on his very unique life. So anyway. Well, I look forward to the uh, conclusion of the film that you are currently uh, producing yeah. because I, I watched a little clip earlier. And, right. and if it's hard uh, hitting it is, and it's raw. hard hitting and raw and transparent. And there's so many families in America right. coming from a law enforcement background, I can tell you, and affected actually our family personally, that it affects a lot of people oh, yeah. today all over the world. It, it, we're, it's, it, you have to look at it like a war mm. where we've been invaded by these drugs and it's, it's going to destroy the, our, our young people and uh, we have to treat it as more important than anything to fight not just the source of the drugs and all that but the what's 
what's causing it. You know, why are kids going through this stuff? Right. Brian, as we conclude our podcast uh, today with you, Uh can you speak to the dads or the granddads who are actually playing the dad role as to the importance of leaving a legacy as you're trying to do, not only with these books, but with the farm and all? What is the the heartbeat of Brian Oxley and leaving a legacy today for those that are coming behind us? Yeah, well, of course, we're stewards of everybody God brings into our life, especially our kids and our grandchildren. And God's going to hold us to account, you know. Uh, One thing that God hates more than anything is people that hurt children. Mm. And uh, and, uh, so, you know, every one of us uh, as dads, you know, we, you know, I know it's, it's, we enjoy a lot of things. God's blessed us with interesting things like golf and so forth. But there's nothing as important as protecting the family and our kids. And we all have to be proactive in that area. And, uh, you know, legacy is a strange thing. It's, it's, to me, the only person that's actually going to lay out our legacy is Jesus Christ when we face him. And he'll say, well done, or he'll say, not so well done. Mm -hmm. And you want him to say, well done. That's what we all have to work and strive for. And I really encourage that before it's too late. Mm -hmm. Because you just never know. Carl Perkins actually sang at our museum. That's one of the things he said, you know, you just never know when, how much time God's going to give you. And you got to... Well, just this week I've heard of some folks in their middle age that have just, just dropped over you know and, yeah. it's, and it's, it's the dash I always talk about when I, I do any kind of speaking and I'm talking on this subject I talk about you're given a day to be born you're given a day to die and there's that dash in the middle it's how we live our dash right. and there's two important dates in our life we need to find is the uh, and that is the day we are born right we that is an important day but then the day that you find out why you were born and yeah. the purpose. Yeah. And Brian, I can tell you, I have seen all that you and Sally are involved in. And I want to thank you for personally spending time with me and talking about this because I want to share your story. I want yeah. to continue that out there uh, through Appreciate our worldwide it. network. So, okay. ladies and gentlemen, I've been talking to my friend Brian Oxley here on the Dad Connection podcast today. And I hope that you do visit Storyteller Museum or the Hideaway Farm and also visit about the Grand dad or grandpa book series at oxvisionmedia.com brian thank you so much thank sir. you yeah All right. thank you god bless we'll see you next time folks bye-bye thanks for listening to the dad connection podcast with keith jowers for more inspiration motivation guidance and encouragement visit keithjowers.com and make sure to follow dads for life on facebook instagram twitter and youtube 